Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson, Jackson himself. Look at him dart back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Savage Pass podcast and by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Level, with me as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. Dylan here, back to um, look at uh, some thoughts on week three. Of course, we are recording this before Monday night game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, just for your reference, we both picked the Cowboys to win that game. Meanwhile, speaking of picks, um, well, wasn't pretty for me necessarily, uh, although Dylan, I think that pretty well for the most part outside of some of the upsets we're going to talk about but in our season uh leader leaderboard here dylan i think you're you're pushing ahead a good bit early on i have a i have a lead but it's i wouldn't say it's big i think i'm up maybe like three games on you which maybe doesn't sound like a ton there's a lot of times where we agree on some of these favorites (laughs) but um yeah just it did come down at least for one of the matchups obviously last night's we'll get to the 49er Packer game it came down to that one otherwise you would have had the edge for the for this week in particular and uh, drawn a bit closer but yeah it's it's been it's been all right I, I felt really good though about our betting locks which I think we're now combined six and zero on as long yes. as we keep that going I mean that's all that really matters that is true um already scouring the board looking ahead to week four that is uh what we're gonna have to be this may just start becoming uh just a betting lock podcast every podcast we do is just making betting locks so uh, that may be it so uh, you've got to hone in on your strengths. And uh, let's start with the game of the week for us, which uh, we both picked the Bucks at the Rams. And uh, probably the game of the week for Dylan, for sure. Uh, based on how this game turned out, I went with the uh, you know the thought process that until somebody beats the Bucks, I was going to go with them. But I also mentioned that I thought, I've said this a couple weeks now, Dylan, I think the Rams are Super Bowl good and... For the most part, they look Super Bowl good here in a 34-24 win over Tom Brady and company. Yeah, everything was clicking. You see the offense in terms of it's not just the same Sean McVay offense we've seen the last few years. There are a lot more dropbacks. A lot of different things they're able to do. Just so versatile as a unit now. And uh, in this game, I, I'm not taking away too much of a negative on the Bucks, especially their defense. They had a lot of injuries in their secondary um, that the Rams are able to take advantage of. I, I do think the one part that Tampa and Bruce Arians talked about after the game, they need to generate more pressure with four when they had those injuries back there. And the Rams offensive line so far this year has looked pretty dang good. And they have a lot of good blocking running uh, receivers, running backs, Sony Michelle had a great block. I forget who it was that he completely flipped in the air to save Matthew Stafford from a hit on one play. But overall, yeah, the Rams looked as complete as, uh, as we've seen them this season. I think even, with some of the opponents, they've you know they've beaten all three playoff uh, teams from last year. Although uh, the Colts and 
Bears very much snuck in last season. Um, wouldn't have been in the old format. But here against Tampa, I mean, they beat them last year. A much different approach uh, this time. The Rams ran the ball better. They did a lot of things well. As long as they stay healthy, yeah, I feel really good about where they are. They have maybe not the best depth at certain big positions, but you can say that for a lot of contending teams. Um, and Tampa, again, I don't take away too much, uh, too many negatives away from this. They a few uh, Gronk drop on a first uh, early drive away from taking an early lead on the Rams, even if they settled for a field goal there. Just a few little plays here and there on offense that they, could, I'm sure they'd want back, not scoring at the end of the half. Uh, just weird kind of things that happen. But yeah, for the Rams, definitely all positives. Uh, now they get the Cardinals next week, both three and no teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I just feel like yeah, they just uh, at all on all on all sides, like they're they're clicking as a unit. They've all talked about. You don't hear guys just saying they like each other. They use the word love every time. It's just, uh, I know McVay's always been the culture guy, but it really does feel like right now this team is, uh, as much as you can take away in, in late September, they're where you'd want them to be. Obviously, a long way to go, but feeling pretty good, definitely. Yeah, they look good right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just Cooper Cup, man. If you drafted him in fantasy, which I did this year in the uh, in the family league, I tell you, this guy is, um, he's incredible. And, um, yeah, one of the... <laughs> I mean, he's he's one of the best more, in the game right yeah. now. So more TDs this year than last year, I think already. Yeah, um, not saying it's he didn't have a lot last year, but still, he's been he's been fantastic. The Rams have been fantastic, and yeah, this um, there's your. I think we have a pretty good idea of what's going to be the the front runner for our game of the week in week four. Um, so just to, to let you know, although <laughs> there's another big one we know too, yeah. but I think just from I don't know, I may actually go with the Rams Cardinals. We'll see. We'll see what we decide in our <laughs> next episode. Uh, our betting locks, as you mentioned, things just keep rolling right along. Of course, everyone, you know, out there, I'm sure getting ready to send me a, a jab as the Jags, you know, did what they did early on against the Cardinals. And we're all thinking, uh Oh, is our streak going to come to an end? Of course not. Because uh, we know football is not played in two quarters. It's played in four. And uh, as I sort of, <laughs> that was my, thought process behind picking the Cardinals here, even though uh, it was a seven and a half point spread on the road, was that there's really no sensible reason to believe that the Jags are going to be able to hold the Cardinals down point-wise, and that's what happened here. Um, yeah. Even though there were some bright spots, we know, for the Jags, but really when you look at it overall, I mean, this was this was kind of what you expected from the Cardinals after that early sort of slump. Uh, we talk about that sometimes, teams going cross-country, you can see that happen at times, mm-hmm. especially in the early games. Of course, Dylan, you nailed it, as always. Anytime Gus Johnson's on the call, there's going to be something just absolutely <laughs> insane that happens. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> the Cardinals attempted a 68-yard field goal, turns into a uh, you know return for a touchdown, you know, 109 yards. Just um, an unbelievable scene early on yeah. in Jacksonville. But uh, at the end of the day, the Cardinals cover the 7.5. They get the... 31-19 win. Yeah, the call was great from Gus, but even the follow-up where he started talking about Urban Meyer and how things are going to turn around, I was like, oh my gosh, he's just really feeling it right now. And yeah. No, it was, I like you, yeah, I had to have some sort of crazy moment happen, but in terms of the game itself, not, yeah, again, not surprised like you said about the Cardinals turning it around. They still didn't have the, uh, you know, the best offense today. I don't think, you know, they would, if they uh, are honest with themselves at 24 points from the offense, they get the seven on the pick six later, but 24 from the offense against this Jags defense is probably not what they're aiming for with all the talent they've had and the success they've had early in the season. 
Um, still, you know, obviously by the end of it, Kyler makes enough plays. He did have that one, another pick. We've seen him sometimes forcing the ball a bit too much down the field, but that's just kind of the nature of what they have to do. They are going to be aggressive. They're going to put the ball in places where they expect their guys to make plays. They're not crazy schematic things getting opened up. They're just uh, figuring they're going to be better than the, the guy next to them. So, it, and the defense, again, it's, they were pretty solid last year. And uh, for much of this game, I mean, they, uh, in my mind, dominated pretty well. I mean, the, the Jags, obviously they get that the kick six, but otherwise not putting up a ton of points and you have that pick six. I, it's an offense for the Jacksonville that's obviously a work in progress. It's a reason why you pick the Cardinals here as a lock, um, even with a decent spread for the road and the morning, like you're saying, for, for the West Coast time. But, uh, yeah, just too much talent in Arizona at this point. And I do think that defense is real. Is, if, if it can just be kind of borderline top ten, uh, with the talent they have on offense, Arizona should just like we went into the season. We didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but we they we said that you know they should have the expectations internally that they're going to be a playoff team, and their defense being pretty solid uh, in my mind is a big part of that because they're going to have days like this where the offense isn't exactly perfect. Well, the offense wasn't exactly perfect for the Jets either. Um, there's your there's your segue. Is the Broncos were ten and a half point favorites at home against the Jets. You made that your lock. I said that was probably my second pick, uh, just based on knowing that there was little reason to believe the Jets were going to be able to score. Like, that was honestly our thought process was, were they actually going to be able to score? And they didn't. They didn't score at all. Like, we, I mean, that that was it. Like, I mean, there was just, there was no belief that the Jets could score on the Broncos. Broncos win 26 to nothing. Not really a whole lot to say other than this game played out pretty much exactly as expected. Um, the Broncos are three and zero, and we'll we'll talk more about uh, the state of the AFC West here in a second. But um, yeah, Jets are bad. Broncos, I don't know what the Broncos are because yeah. they've beaten three teams that, uh, quite honestly, are not that great. So yeah, they've beaten three teams that do not have a victory. Right? It's been the both New York teams yeah. and the Jaguars. So we'll see for Denver. I mean, yeah, this like you said a second ago, this played out exactly how I envisioned when I made this the betting lock. I just thought that Denver has way too much talent on defense for what the Jets are presenting on that side of the ball. The Jets' defense wasn't going to be presenting anything that Denver couldn't uh, produce at least a decent amount of points on. So, yeah, it literally went exactly to the format of how I thought this game would go. Just, uh, you know, maybe hoped a little bit more from would come from what the Jets were doing. It's just, it just looks like the same old thing so far. I, you know, we'll see plenty of time here. It's only been three weeks uh, for Michael Florin and Robert Saul and that, and that coaching staff. But, Right now, it definitely doesn't – It's for example, we'll get to the Lions, I'm sure, in a second, but you look at two teams that are 0-3 with new coaching staffs, and maybe I felt better about the Jets you know, in the preseason with some of the things they have with personnel and the draft picks they have coming up. But, man, I mean, just it looks like two different 0-3 teams with the, the fight and the way that the, the players are – uh, you know, putting guys in places to succeed. So we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, Denver, uh, more to come on them, a lot more to, to be determined <laughs> for, for, for a 3-0 team that I still think, uh, as we mentioned in our preseason episode, I, they were a borderline playoff team for me. I, I thought about it just because of the schedule not being exactly tough and how good I thought their defense could be with uh, all the, especially in that secondary as being a really elite group. But uh, still a lot to be learned from them. Well, still some time and a lot of a lot of AFC West matchups, as you mentioned, that are going to be really tough as well. Yeah, looking more and more tough there uh, in the AFC West. Uh, that takes us to our upsets of the week. Uh, we technically both had this. This was mine because this was my biggest upset mm-hmm. uh, point spread. <laughs> was the Seahawks were one and a half point favorites at the Vikings. Uh, took the Vikings to win this one, as did you. And that's what happened. The Vikings took care of business here at 30-17. I mean, I kind of said it. 
I thought that defensively, neither one of these teams really shown a whole lot thus far, but you still felt like the Vikings were probably a little bit better in that area than the Seahawks, and this just felt like a must-win game for the Vikings, staring down the possibility of 0-3, um, you know, was not going to be something good for them. Um, as we will talk about in a minute, their first loss of the season doesn't look as bad now, but um, still, they just could not drop the 0-3, a home game here. You have to take care of business, even with Dalvin Cook out. Alexander Madison comes in, does exactly what you would expect him to do in that spot. Kirk Cousins looked really good and yeah. um, just a great first half. And really, that's all they needed uh, was that first half and uh, held the Seahawks scoreless in the second half. So good win for the Vikings. Yeah, some tough things in their first couple games, but Minnesota easily could be 3-0. They're a Dalvin Cook fumble that was pretty controversial against the Bengals and then obviously the, the short missed field goal against the Cardinals. Away from, yeah, being 3-0, they're, they're much better than their own 2 record indicated and for seattle i mean we saw it in the second half against tennessee and then this game as well they just their defense is not it's brutal and i you know some of the comments from uh pete carroll after the game a bit concerning about how it's just basically the same cover three stuff they've been doing this the whole tenure and you just can't expect the same results with a defense that a lot of teams are accustomed to seeing a lot of looks at um even though the vikings uh, a lot of close games but a lot of losses uh, in the Kirk cousins era to seattle but you know they've always kind of especially lately been able to put up some points and not surprised here at home a lot of those games were in seattle that they're able to put up a better spot the defense was always going to be a bit better for the vikings uh still not a unit that as much as uh, had some hope optimism they'd have a bounce back here i think they'll still be better than a year ago when they were pretty brutal as a, as a group but they still have a lot of talent still a lot of the same guys that have been there for a while that made that unit what it was four or five years ago uh, and they were able to start clicking that second half i mean for seattle it's just you really got to figure out something on defense and it, it feels you know even if their offense it feels a lot like how it's been in previous years where they need russell wilson to bail them out or else this is going to be the result uh, luckily, they avoid a serious injury to Tyler Lockett that did not look uh, good initially. Yeah. Um, losing him would have been just, you know, a, a huge blow on top of the, the defeat. But yeah, in that division, I mean, last year they started 5-0 and and the re let Russ Cook movement was running hot. Now they're 1-2. A lot of season to go. A lot of time for them to bounce back. But in that division, it's, you know, it's only going to get tougher. I think they play the Niners this week and then they play the Rams in a short week the following Thursday night. So it's Seattle's going to have to buckle up and that defense is going to have to respond quickly. Yeah, I think so. It's um interesting spot for both teams, but uh, at least the Vikings uh, are able to rally here, get their first win, and uh, avoid that 0-3 start. All right, the other upset, you went down on a limb here, and uh, <laughs> I told you I wasn't sure about it. But nope. uh, I couldn't. But I also said I couldn't blame you just because the Browns were not looking great, uh, not exactly a team you feel like you can trust fully just yet, but they did uh, put on a pretty good performance here as uh, they do get the win over the Bears, uh, Browns 26, Bears 6. Uh, so really just uh, outside of a you know rough start, I guess you could say. Browns didn't look good early, but after that, it was pretty much all Browns from that point. Uh, Kareem Hunt played well. Nick Chubb played well. It just, I mean, the Browns defense, what do you say about that? So really, this was probably what you wanted to see if you were the Browns fans, if you're a Bears fan. Um, probably not when you look at yeah. uh, the state of the offense, uh, wondering if it's uh, here we go again. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation today about whether it's uh, Justin Fields, but most of it seems to be uh, indicting uh, Matt Nagy and, and their game plan, and the, especially some of the, the comments that Miles Garrett had about how they just basically knew what they were going to do. They're constantly, and especially in the second half, all the DBs were running the routes for the Bears receivers. Nothing really 
uh, complex is happening. And it, it is tough because the Bears' offensive line is pretty bad. It, uh, Jason Peters got like absolutely terrible against Miles Garrett. I mean, that's going to happen against Miles some days, but there are times where he's just running, blowing right by him. They weren't really getting, you know, a ton of. Uh, There's maybe a couple of missed throws for sure here and there from Fields, um, but I would not say they put him in a great place to succeed. Uh, obviously, with all those sacks and. It's just it was brutal on that side. Uh, yeah, early in the game, I thought the Bears at least their defense looked okay. Uh, they did a decent job limiting Cleveland for large portions of that game, but there's only so much they could do. Basically, being put back on the field over and over, the Browns' running game finally started getting going in the second half, really. And from there, they were just able to bludgeon them the rest of the way. So yeah, lesson learned. I cannot trust uh, Matt Nagy <laughs> at this point, and we'll see what happens moving forward with Fields this year. But uh, the, you don't want to have these kind of games build up where he just gets in the psyche of constantly getting hit where he feels like he's looking over his shoulder every time does not really uh that's not going to help a guy develop so those are the things i think for the bears for the browns yeah at least you, you get back to two and one you're feeling pretty good you don't you know easily could be three and oh things went a little differently in that week one game um and finally even though it was against a, a pretty brutal bears offense uh, you finally saw the browns defense and some of these dbs starting to play a bit better this week well let's go to our quick picks and we can group in i think the afc south here we already talked about the jags Mm -hmm. and their loss to the Cardinals. Um, And we know kind of what the state of the Jags are right now. But we go all the way back to Thursday night. Not a whole lot to really take away from the Panthers beating the Texans 24-9. Texans aren't very good. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like I mean, I think that that opening week game against the Jags may have had a little bit of hope that something was there. But even the way they played against the Browns, I suppose. But... It is what it is right now, I think, for the Texans. Meanwhile, the Panthers, they're getting more intriguing by the week. Um, of course, they just made the trade, too, for C.J. Henderson. So, Panthers are in an interesting spot now at 3-0. Meanwhile, the Titans get the win over the Colts, 25-16. Um, Colts are now the 0-3. Dylan, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to brag here because I don't like to brag. <laughs> but I think things are playing out sort of as I may have expected for the Colts. Now, mm-hmm. we will say the one thing we can say about this is – the Colts have probably played, you know, three playoff teams at this point. But that's not an excuse if you're trying to be a playoff team and you lose all three of those games. Uh, I just don't think the Colts look very good right now. I don't know what necessarily the path looks like for them the rest of the way. Next, I mean, think about this. Let's just let's talk about this in the Colts sense here. Colts are going to go on the road, which they just did to the Titans. Now, even at this point, like they've still got three of their next four are going to mm-hmm. be on the road. They're at the Dolphins, at the Ravens, home against the Texans. So they're going to finally win a game there at some point. And then they're at the 49ers. And they come back home to play the Texans after that, by the way. <laughs> like the Colts could be, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but realistically, like the Colts could be one and seven or two and <laughs> six, maybe. Like I think that's a realistic possibility here for the Colts. I just, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I mean, I said it going into the season. There was something about them. I just was not sold on. And unfortunately, I think it's playing out that way. For the Titans, though, give them credit. Uh, they they played pretty well for the most part. And, um, you know, Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry and the Titans back on track after, you know, that slow start, too, against the Cardinals in week one. Yeah, it's just not encouraging to see. You know, you know, you look at what other teams have done to the Titans' defense the first two weeks. I know they're really strong offenses in Seattle and Arizona, but – They've been shredded, and you're able, and you put up 15 on them. And it's just, and, and on the flip, or 16 on them. And the flip side, uh, where you look at the Colts' defense, like they just have, oh man. I, I know they've faced again good, you know, as you mentioned, three, three playoff potential teams, three solid, really good offenses, but they just have not presented 
many answers on that side of the ball. They need to be at least pretty decent if they're going to have a chance at making a run this year. And it's just that side of the ball, they have talent, but it it's, hasn't come together. Just too many too many answers to all the, to the problems they're trying to present on that side. And for Indy, yeah, definitely <laughs> in the schedule, as you just mentioned, it gets, gets pretty brutal. It's not going to get any easier. Maybe they're going to face some better, easier offenses at least uh, for that defense. But, yeah, it just hasn't been – uh, anything like what, uh, you know, with everything that Chris, Chris Ballard has, has built up with the that organization, the coaching staff, you feel like they should have more answers and it just kind of hasn't been there. And, uh, you know, we, we did talk about Carson Wentz and what he could mean. And just at this point, obviously, he has the injuries, but it has not there have not been enough answers for them. And, uh, yeah, good bounce back for the Titans the last couple of weeks after that really demoralizing first loss uh, back on track in a division that uh, looks like it might have the two worst teams in the league and the Texans and Jags. Yeah, the Texans have come back to earth. Um, I mean, they had they fought hard again last week against the Browns, but uh, you know, they just had nothing going with Davis Mills in there. Obviously, with Tyrod, maybe it's a different story. But I do think the Panthers, even though they, uh, you know, they face a – a couple of easy opponents, but they beat down a Saints team that outside of that game has looked pretty dang good on offense. I think that there's a chance that with all the young guys the Panthers have, obviously they lose J.C. Horn for the year, uh, or at least for most of the year, they trade for C.J. Henderson. Uh, they have a really good young group of defenders. They've hit well on some of these picks. Brian Burns, a guy maybe on the end that we don't talk about enough compared to some of the other great young defensive ends in the NFL. And uh, yeah, I think Carolina, just a quick thing on them, I, I think their schedule doesn't I mean they, they do play the Saints again and they get the Bucks twice right but they're they don't have they have a schedule where I look at it and I'm like you know what it's not you know they get the AFC uh they get otherwise the AFC East I believe this is their their one off AFC opponent there against the Texans with the new they the added game but they don't exactly have the most intimidating schedule they get the, the NFC East I don't know. The Panthers' defense, uh, Sam Darnold looks pretty good. I know that we'll see you against some tougher opponents that they're going to be facing eventually, but uh, he's being put in a much better scheme, a lot better opportunities for him. But at the same time, when he makes those mistakes, at least now he has a defense that uh, it's crazy to think about where that defensive line was and how bad they were as a run defense not that long ago, and now uh, they're, they're rolling on that side of the ball. Well, let's, how many ways can the Lions figure out a way, find a way to lose a game? <laughs> How many crazy games is this team going to play? Like, they open up the season with that crazy game against the 49ers. Um, now, you know, they're on the other side of Justin Tucker's Jeez. just incredible field goal. Yeah. You said, you know, you said, I don't think the Lions are that bad. They're clearly not that bad, but I just don't, you know, it's hard to kind of see a pathway to the wins at this point for them. Yeah, wins aren't what a, a concern for me for Detroit, and really for the Jets. You want to just see some sort of progress, some sort of culture being built. And, yeah, really devastating one. This would have been a great win for Dan Campbell's first one out, uh, for them to come back home here and play a really tough Ravens team and, you know, battle back the way they did. Obviously, they benefited from a couple Marquise Brown drops. But, I mean, not just the kick, but the, the fourth and forever play that Lamar makes right before that, it's like, oh, my gosh. They, obviously, the delay of game controversy – uh, I know they give them like a beat usually, but that was that definitely should have been delayed game. Watching it live, you're like, how are they? Yeah. You know, it was. I know that maybe the refs are caught up in the moment, but that is a tough one to miss. At the same time, you don't expect anyone, even arguably the best kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker, to to make from 66 yards. He takes the extra crow hop, uh, gets the extra boot, extra drive into it, and yeah, just a ridiculous moment. But uh, for the Ravens, I mean, they're not. I mean, it's just. Still some concerns for them. The defense looks solid, but, you know, you expect more points against a Detroit defense that hasn't exactly 
uh, been great and don't expect them to be good this season. Still need a little bit more help at receiver maybe, but uh, for Baltimore, it's still finding a way to win. They could, <laughs> it's a two and one team that could be three and zero, that could be zero and three. I think they'll take two and one with another back to back, just insane wins for them. Little AFC's flavor with these next two: uh, Bills forty three, Washington twenty one, and the uh, Patriots uh, on the other side of things uh, lose at home to the Saints twenty eight thirteen. The Saints get the win there. So if you're the Saints, you get the bounce back you want um, after, like we said, just a sort of a head scratching game, um, you know, against the the Panthers, the way everything played out there. Now. You know, on the flip side of that, the Bills, my goodness, Josh Allen. Great day to be a Josh Allen fantasy owner. Um, you're surely also in the family league, really racking <laughs> up. Although I'm going to lose, thank the Matthew Stafford in this uh, Rams oh, offense. Uh, but, no, I mean, the Bills look really good. I mean, you just look at – that's what kind of we see, all the concerns about Josh Allen. Like, when they get going, they can really get going. And uh, he got going against Washington. Meanwhile, I think it's sort of the same for the Saints. Their offense, when they get going, they can do some good things. Uh, although for the Patriots, their offense, um, yeah, not really sure. It's going up against a tough defense in the Saints here, but I think this is just going to be kind of be something we look at all season for the Patriots. It's going to be pretty up and down. It feels like for them on offense. Yeah, that's. I mean, the Patriots' defense for large portions of the game looked pretty solid, but they were put in a lot of tough situations on Sunday. I yeah, the offense for them. Very much a work in progress. Not a lot of plays developing down the field, um, and they're going to be facing another tough defense in Tampa Bay this week. So it's, you know, we, I think we both put them in the postseason. We'll see. It's a long season, still 14 games to go. But we're going to, I mean, even with the, the talent of their defense, that's part of why we picked them there. They're going to need something better from the offense. Uh, I know the Saints are good. I on defense, but uh, not expecting that kind of a performance at home. Uh, pretty disappointing. And then, yeah, for the Bills, I mean, the not taking anything away from the bills because Josh Allen was incredible. Went back to looking exactly like he did a year ago, but Washington's defense has been pretty disappointing this year Yeah. after, after the showing we saw from them in 2020. Uh, they, I mean, the, they limit the chargers to 20 points, but last week against the giants, Daniel Jones is doing everything he wanted. Then in this game, just nonstop with that Bills offense. They're a machine. And I know they're one of the best offenses in the league when they're clicking, but still expect more from, from that defense. Uh, but for the Bills, you're feeling good, feeling, you know, look at how these two weeks have developed for the since week one for the Steelers and Bills. It's hard to believe the Steelers won that game. <laughs> um, the Bills yeah. just came out flat to start the year. But uh, I think they're right back to I, I'm feeling pretty good now. After week one, I had my Super Bowl pick, Bills, Packers, feeling awful after their two opening losses. Now we're back on track with both of them feeling good. Well, let's jump, let's jump to the Steelers. And by the way, we're what is there anything to say about the Falcons and the Giants other than, I mean, this – Falcons oh, won seventeen to fourteen. This was a t- this was just not a good game. Um, I, just, I really don't just know. John John Mara pushing over the the trash can allegedly. <laughs> uh, that was my only main thing I enjoyed. Uh, the Giants probably should have won this game. I don't, the Falcons yeah. game plan. I don't know what's going on. There's hmm. so many times they're in the red zone. Kyle Pitts isn't even out there. It's, oh. That's one conversation we can have later. But the Giants, it's just they find they just keep finding ways to lose. I feel bad for them. Well, what about my Bengals? Twenty four to ten winners in Pittsburgh. I just. I did not see that coming at all. Um, that's one that I, I just I didn't like. I did not see it being that easy for the Bengals, mm-hmm. but it was even without T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase. We laughed about all the stuff in the preseason. This guy's a stud. Uh, clearly, the connections there with Joe Burrow. I mean, Najee Harris looks good, but the rest <laughs> of this Steelers offense, I just 
I don't know what you say at this point. I just don't think that this, I think this is going to really hold him back. And I don't see this being a situation where this is going to improve that much throughout the season. I just think this kind of is what the Steelers are and they're going to need their defense to be pretty terrific every week. If they're going to be able yeah. to win some of these games. And again, when you play a team like the Bengals, who kind of an up and coming offense, it just wasn't enough here. Yeah. They really missed TJ Watt. And when they can't get that pressure up front against a pretty bad, still pretty bad in my mind Bengals offensive line that's a huge concern because that's where everything starts for Pittsburgh they do have a great total defense but uh surprised by the, the lack of pressure they're able to generate over the course of the game uh, some great plays with talk about Jamar Chase I mean we've talked about him a lot on this podcast but he just continues to produce and make plays uh that feel good about what where that offense is heading just if they over the course of the next few years they just need to keep adding to that line, whether it be in free agency or hitting on some draft picks. And, and finally, that offense, if they, you know, they have a lot of really good young guys and it's, it should be good for years to come. On the other side, I don't know how much to put to the Bengals' defense. They've had some decent performances, I guess, and forced some turnovers this year. But this, I feel like it felt, it was a lot more about the Steeler offense. They looked abysmal up front. They could not, and then Big Ben, just some awful plays and decisions and missed throws. And I know he's getting memed the heck out of right now on Twitter, but I mean, it's legitimate. He he does not. <laughs> we'll see if he bounces back and what they're able to do. But it it looked pretty bad on that side of the ball. And no matter how good their defense is, if they can't be at least defense uh, decent on offense and have a better offensive line, uh, it could be uh, not the best season for that team, especially with the way the Browns and Ravens seem to be trending. Well, on to the AFC West because, as we all expected, um, the standings in the AFC West are legitimately in the opposite order that we thought they would be in. <laughs> Um, you know, through three weeks. That is because the Raiders are at the top, the Broncos are second, the Chargers are third, and the Kansas City Chiefs, my pick to win the Super Bowl, all the way at the bottom. Uh, if you flip that, that's probably most people's projected standings for the AFC West this season. Uh, but we're only three weeks in, and uh, my Chiefs Super Bowl pick, I still feel okay. Uh, but they, they got to figure some things out pretty quickly here. Um, and maybe, listen, going back to the Super Bowl hangover, it's it's a thing, and uh, we'll see if it holds up. But let's let's talk about the Raiders getting a win over the Dolphins, um, because the they do it again. Finding I a mean, way, yeah, they just they found a way to win. I after that early, you know, rough start, you get down fourteen to nothing. I'm thinking, uh oh, old Raiders, like they're back, but they just they kept grinding away, they kept chipping away, and finally they turned the corner and. Goes down to the field goal in overtime to win it. And meanwhile, as we know, the uh, sort of biggest, you know, I guess noteworthy event of the day was the Chargers going in to Kansas City. Justin Herbert, uh, pretty fantastic yep. performance for him. And I think that's what everyone sort of waited for. They were like, okay, is this kind of that game that you put down? And really, what's weird to think about is they score 30 points here, win 30-24, but they scored 30 points in two quarters. Um, you know, they scored two, two, 14 in the second, 16 in the fourth, and that's that. And uh, they beat the Chiefs. And so now, like we said, that sets up a very interesting dynamic here in the AFC West through three weeks. Yeah, I think the Chiefs will be just fine, but the defense is always going to be a concern. It's It's been a concern and uh, against a, a Charger team where you have a guy like Justin Herbert who can make every throw you want on the football field, decision-making, elite. His rookie start last year seems even more impressive when you consider how much uh, the rookie QBs this year have struggled. I know they're much worse situations, you you could argue, than what the Chargers had in offense, but only with that improved offensive line, he's just going to keep getting better. And This is, you know, when we talked last week, I said I wanted to to pick the Chargers. I just felt like uh, they were going to have some answers. They they know the Chiefs want to 
uh, pushed the ball down the field, and sure enough, it resulted in a lot of turnovers for L.A. And uh, definitely a, a really, you know, it could have gone the wrong way. Obviously, they had that fourth and nine, and they get the P.I. call, and obviously scoring. I know that uh, Justin Herbert checked out of a run on that last touchdown play, so they could have at least forced the Chiefs to use their, their last time out. It could have cost them. It did not. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you have to feel good about where that where that team is. They, they need to stay healthy. There was a moment where Derwin James left the game, came back in. Uh, if he was out for any extended period of time, I felt like the Chiefs weren't going to be able to be stopped. So uh, still some things they're learning to do. Some nice plays from Joey Bosa on this one. I, yeah, the Chargers are kind of where I thought they'd be. The Chiefs, I, I think they're going to be just fine. The Raiders, we'll see what happens when they face a, a better offense this week. against. They, they play the Chargers um, I, just because – yeah, the, the Dolphins get out to the early start, uh, a play where they get the pick six where Derek Carr thought, I think it was Waller was going to keep running. He, he stopped and just kind of miscommunication on the on the coverage there. So not a ton to take away from that one. But, I mean, they overall for the whole game, limited Brissett fine. Uh, I think they, you know, with in Gus Bradley's scheme, they, they have all these guys that have come in. Yannick Ngakwe looks pretty good. Casey Hayward's been, just as we talked about, they needed someone in the secondary to help, and he's been huge for them, obviously. So the defense has been has been fine. I, I, we'll see against again, especially where we saw what Pittsburgh did this week, um, and now uh, with uh, what, where Miami's offense has been, especially with Brissett at quarterback. Even if he's a solid backup, I would not say he's a quarterback that you should be giving up too many points to. And they still barely eke it out. Um, but you know, the gutsy team—they keep finding ways to win. Um, I, I, you know, I feel really good about their offense. Uh, I think Derek Carr's playing fantastic. He has the pick six, but otherwise he made some incredible throws, incredible decisions in this game. They're finally utilizing Henry Ruggs, uh, like every fantasy owner begged them to last year. Hunter Renfro looks even better in his role. Brian Edwards stepping up. I mean, the, the Weatherwood has been fantastic on that line. Uh, some of the guys at Hatfield and have filled them better than I thought they might be able to. So, yeah, they got a complete offense. It's just if this defense can, can uh, keep it up, uh, they should be a pretty solid team. Miami, uh, man, I <laughs> uh, feel like there's a lot of opportunities for them to come win that game. One and two, tough, tough uh, sledding going forward. They just need to figure out the offense. And as we talked about last week, their offensive line still has a lot of question marks for me. Yeah, luckily for the Dolphins, they still have games against the Jets, so that's something they can look forward to. But uh, beyond that, yeah, they got some things to figure out. And speaking of finding a way, we wrap up with the Packers 30, San Francisco 49ers 28. Great game here. Um, and this just went back to Aaron Rodgers finding a way as always. And uh, that way went through Devontae Adams, who uh, pretty much was everything here. Um, 12 receptions, 132 yards, a touchdown on 18 targets. We kind of know what you're getting at this point with these two. Yeah. Like uh, when it comes down to it, Packers find themselves in a spot where you know they need to score, they need offense. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Not to take anything away from Aaron Jones, who had 19 carries for 82 yeah. yards um, and a touchdown. But Packer Rodgers Adams, that's the that's the connection, and man gives the Packers a great win uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, one of my biggest takeaways for this one to be encouraged from for Green Bay was just the performance of their O-line, not just pass blocking, but run blocking. As you mentioned briefly there with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon had a few decent runs as well. But just overall, I mean, that's right now with San Francisco's defense. I that, That's kind of why I picked the Packers. I thought Aaron would be able to pick on that, that injured secondary. It gets even worse with Josh Norman going out. Uh, so, uh, you know, at certain times uh, there are little things here and there uh, where I feel like if they were fully healthy on that side, maybe we have a different result. But Still, uh, I thought San Francisco's defensive line was going to be able to perform better. They did not. There are a lot of good, uh, got good things that the Packers did to help out that O line against against Nick Bosa and, and all those explosive guys. So, I uh, felt pretty good about that. Obviously, the 49ers fight back. Still, good 
good things for them to be encouraged by for all the issues that Jimmy G had and the, the throw backwards. I still felt like he did made a lot of plays down the stretch, obviously, and put them in a great spot to win at the end. They just needed to use more of the play clock. Um, not the best situational football, is, is I, not to harp on it because everyone else is, but I still can't get over the fact the Packers have no timeouts. You don't, with three timeouts, <laughs> you can control the whole thing. Just run it down, at least, especially with Aaron on the other end. Like, there's so many things you can consider there. Um, it works out for the Packers that he gets in, that Juszczyk gets in at the end, because just enough time and that, especially uh, the last the last play that got them in field goal range, uh, pretty bad broken coverage it looked like from the Niners on the guy who you know he's going to go to in Devontae Adams. But the first throw was just, I mean, just Aaron Rodgers that is uh, doing the thing that we know he does time and time again, just making the ridiculous throw. Fred Warner felt like it, he was at depth, just couldn't quite get to that ball. Just a ridiculous pass in, in the situation. Um, and that's what happens when you leave too much time on the board for him. So, both, I think both two teams that you look at that have some some flaws, I, I still think that the Packers' defense at times looked, especially down the stretch of that game, not fantastic. Um, still concerned about how quickly Joe Barry's implementing those Fangio-Staley kind of things into the defense there. Uh, but they find a way to win, and you, you, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape most of the time. Yep, I think so, and uh, that's what happened there with the Packers getting their win over the 49ers uh, before... We wrap up, Dylan, uh, fantasy waiver wire action. We know Christian, Christian McCaffrey out. Um, a lot of people going to be turning their attention to uh, to Hubbard in Carolina. That's an obvious choice, I think, at running back, um, you know, just based on knowing that McCaffrey's going to be out for multiple games here. And then I think Emmanuel Sanders is very interesting, um, mm-hmm. which is because we talked about when the Bills are – clicking on offense the way they have been i mean you saw what what he's still capable of um, probably not a confident choice uh, tim patrick's still out there as well uh and my my under the radar pick here shocking that anyone would have considered this after week one but you got to go by the schedule right titans got the jets and the yes. jags coming up soon next two games at at new york to play the jets at jacksonville to play the jaguars I think there's a little value, at least, specifically in week four for the Titans defense. Um, not going to feel <laughs> great about it. It's not something I'm going to do with regularity, and they're probably done after those two games. I can get rid of them because then they got the Bills and the Chiefs. No thanks. But I'm at least considering that if I need a defense uh, sort of plug and play uh, in week four and maybe even in week five. Yeah, this is maybe the first season in years that I've been locked into. I have the same defense <laughs> in both my leagues, but otherwise, I would def- I'm all about the matchups. I don't care how bad a defense is. If they're playing the right offense, go ahead and do that. So, great point on that one. Uh, looking at the, as you mentioned, with especially McCaffrey out, man, it's, it's that's the one thing about Carolina. I'd be so excited where they were, all the things they were doing on that offense. They, and they kind of, in the fourth quarter, figured it out without him, but uh, uh Definitely something to be concerned with at running back. Definitely, at least with Tampa, against teams that are going to be um, defending the run better, like the Rams. Giovanni Bernard, uh, hopefully he's fine after he got hurt a little bit on that last uh, touchdown in garbage time at the end of the game. But as I, especially in PPR leagues, it feels like he's kind of that James White role. Uh, he's going to get a lot of receptions. Um, Peyton Barber, I would not... I would not tally on uh, hoping for him to every week score that many fantasy points uh, with, uh, with with Josh Jacobs out. Running back is definitely probably the toughest spot for me at this point to look at, uh, as you mentioned, with some of the Panther backups maybe. But even then, I, I feel like the scheme is going to change a bit. Um, at quarterback, uh, I do, and I think especially without McCaffrey, I think 
that Sam Darnold's not a terrible play based on the matchup. And we mentioned that schedule for, for Carolina. So based on when your starting quarterback has games, I would be looking at uh, who, was, who Carolina has in the schedule and making, maybe picking up Darnold for yourself. And then at receiver, just got to get down to underneath the 50% ownership range. Oh, man. I mean, it's still – Christian Kirk is probably still the one now. Everyone kind of jumped on the Rondale Moore uh, bandwagon last week. His roster percentage jumped by like 40% or so. I still think Christian Kirk is going to have a consistent role for that team. Uh, with all the injuries that Denver's had at, at receiver, Tim Patrick uh, at only twelve uh, at only fourteen percent, absolutely a, a great pickup. And either Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro. I know those guys aren't necessarily who you might think of fantasy wise, but especially in the PPR league, Renfro is always getting a ton of targets. We're seeing week in, every week Edwards getting uh, more and more targets. So those are some of the guys I've been looking at this time. Well, and I mentioned the Titans defense. If for some reason the Saints defense is available in your league, they have the Giants and Washington coming up next before they're by. That's a no-brainer. Um, so I would definitely look at the Saints defense there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if for some reason they are available in that scenario. So there are some options uh, in fantasy. And, uh, of course, you don't come to us necessarily just for the fantasy. You come to us for the betting locks, and we have not let you down thus far into the season. So there's no doubt, Dylan, that uh, come week four, we're going to make some bets that are not going to work out. Uh, but the pressure <laughs> is on, and we will see uh, how it unfolds in our next episode. But uh, for now... Got all the cover, everything covered over Clutch Point, so everybody know where they can find all of that. Yeah, all of our takeaway uh, content, uh, all our fallout from all of these games, you can find in the NFL section on the Clutch Points app and on the website. Uh, if you click on Fantasy Football at the top of the website, we'll have our waiver wire pickup recommendations uh, there, as well as our drop list article, uh, stardom sit-em articles that we'll have coming up this week. And you can follow all the games in the Clutch Points app. And uh, yeah, tons of just lots of lots of good content that we're following with all the fallout, a lot of different things, a lot of stuff, especially with the Bears right now. I don't know if you saw the Jimmy Graham retweeting the stat about the Bears having the lowest yards per play or like the second lowest in, since 1950 or something. And yeah, a lot of a lot of drama there. Uh, we'll see what, what happens with Chicago. But um, yeah, everything happening in the NFL, we got to cover the clutch points. Yep. Check it all out there. And uh, yeah. If you have any tips on the Bears offense, please send it in uh, to Chicago and or Clutch Points, either one. Uh, so check all that out, uh, Clutch Points. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, uh, any podcast app you use. You can find us there. And uh, thanks, as always, to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all they do. And thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast.